Sarah Connors. I mean, I feel like I should probably just let you start this podcast with what you want to tell us all about. However, you've got 30 seconds and go now. My son got signed. <laughs> so basically, yeah, Alexander Rossi signed for and Ready today and I'm pumped about it. We will come back to this later though. Uh, we today on the podcast have that. That is the that is the calmest. That is the calmest you have ever announced anything significant happening about Alex Rossi in your life. It's been a really long day. Okay, so anyway, we're gonna talk about women in motorsport first. We have RJ O'Connell with us today. Say hi, RJ. Hi, everybody. <laughs> the worst mistake that has ever been made has finally per- been perpetrated on this podcast. I'm back. Yes, for the second time. Wait, congratulations yes. on being our only... Yes. And, but you know, this has happened, like, every time that Alexander Rossi has been signed to a deal with Andretti Herd Autosport, I have been on the podcast either the same day or the day after. That's true. So basically, the next time his contract comes up, you know you're coming back on here again. So, RJ, we'll see you in about three yep. years' time. Okay, bye. <laughs> bye. Thanks for coming. We'll uh, talk to you later. Yeah. Chaotios. But yeah, no, we're ha- we have had RJ on today because uh, RJ went to Road Atlanta last week. Yes, I did. And you I got to, to see Christina Nielsen win her category in IMSA. Yes. Christina Nielsen for Scuderia Corsa, which is a Ferrari team in the GT Daytona class of the IMSA WeatherTech Sports Car Championship, clinched the Drivers' Championship just four hours into the race. It was all that she needed to drive to get enough points for her race to count and get enough points to put the title out of reach before they even took the checkered flag. Christina, yes, Christina Nielsen is now the first woman to win a major full season professional sports car racing championship in North America. This is IMSA and its immediate predecessors the American Le Mans series and Grand Am and old IMSA um, way back in the eighties where there was that whole drug ring, but that's a whole nother story for another time. (laughs) That's another story for another day. That's an ESPN 30 for 30 series. (laughs) Currently been pitching and uh, throwing a fit for 30 for 30 to make a documentary about the open wheel split. Because I mean, let's be honest, they broadcast like 75% of that whole saga anyway. That's true. That's true. But yeah, how was your how was your time at Road Atlanta? Like, tell us about everything. Yes. Can I ask a quick question? Uh, Petit Le Mans is the event at Road Atlanta. Yes, this is actually. Okay, I just wanted to get that in my head. It's just a big ten hour endurance race. It's the last race of the IMSA season. Um, So Christina Nielsen is an IMSA champion. She was runner up last year. Um, she was a sports car champion in Germany. Um, her, her and her team won the Sebring 12 hours and the Watkins Glen sits hour races this season. So that's two big wins at two of the biggest races on the calendar. And what this is going to do for her career, um, obviously in the immediate future, I mean, she's basically guaranteed to be in next year's 24 hours of Lamar as a reigning IMSA GT champion. Oh, that's um, really cool. Had she run Le Mans before? Yes, in fact, this year was her first time at it with a with a different team than the one she races for in IMSA. Uh, that team got in via winning the championship last year uh, with one Townsend Bell, who we will talk about later in the show. Um, 
so I think this is this is just really awesome. And Nielsen's still only 24 years old and has like tons of racing future ahead of her. Um, Scuderia Corsa has a team in GT Le Mans that maybe they could go full time, and that could be a potential landing spot for Nielsen next year to see her bump up to the uh, to the pro category in the GT Le Mans class. So that'll be really awesome. That's amazing. Ne- I didn't I didn't know she was that young actually. Yes, and trust me, she is just a tremendous talent. And she was not the only woman competing at Petit Le Mans, although she definitely did have the most success. Let us start with original champ car girl, Catherine Legg, pi- yes. piloting the Delta Wing. I'm, so, I'm still so sad that like the Delta Wing never really panned out to be good. <laughs> yes, this is the uh, the Delta Wing's last race. No, it's the second to last race. They will get one more shot at it at Daytona, but this was kind of their last race at Paynos' home track. They build the Delta Wing. It's their baby, and for a while, they looked absolutely really good. Like All the IMSA commentators were pointing out how great the car was, particularly in a straight line, because it has like no drag coefficient whatsoever. And Leg did really well. All of her co-drivers like Andy Merrick and Sean Rahal were doing well. And then something broke in the engine and they retired less than halfway into the race. So. Right. It's 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 the car that's always been too quirky for its own good because pragmatism always wins in motorsport because motorsport is boring. Well, I only half mean that. Um, but it was still a pretty good year, of course. Catherine Legg at the start of the season was leading the 24 hours of Daytona on merit, on pace, without any sort of crazy shenaniganry. Um, perhaps she will be a part of the Delta Wings swan song net season. And there was one other woman in this race who is really worth talking about is Ashley Freiberg. Um, this is only her third race of the season. She only got to drive Daytona, Sebring in March, and then missed all the rest of the season up till road Atlanta. But even after not driving it, like I found, um, I found a chart that IMSA published of like the fastest laps for every driver, every individual driver and every individual category. And Freiburg had turned the seventh quickest lap out of all 36 drivers in the GT Daytona class on the weekend. She was the, she had the fastest lap of any driver out of her three car lineup. And to her credit, she she and the rest of her team were driving a pretty good race until her co-driver got in a bit of an awkward incident. So, so she's driving car number 96 with a young man named Jens Klingman. And Klingman, in the, like the last hour, is racing uh, Marcus Paltala in the number 97 car. They're both racing for Turner Motorsport, and they're both in contention for a podium place. And then Klingman and Paltala... Uh, getting kind of a clumsy incident as they're battling it out for third place. Um, then Klingman just drives the car around and brings it into the pits and walks out in a huff. And a lot of people were not happy about it because the car didn't even look that broke. It looked like he was just throwing a tamper tantrum and calling it a day. Um, so that was kind of lame. But Apart from that, Freiburg still had a tremendous race. I hope she can stick around for a full season next year because between her and Nielsen and Leg, like IMSA have three legitimately great and talented women drivers who could all 
really, really legitimately succeed. We know Nielsen's a champion. Freiburg has won uh, races in IMSA's lower categories before, and she's very highly rated. I think she just needs the sponsorship for a full season. Um, she's good at she's good at driving. <laughs> Wonder who we've heard that before. Right, often right. and frequently. Oh yes. Um, and if you've never seen the video of Ashley Freiburg um, during a three-hour delay for a for a, like an airplane in an airport, she just um, films herself using the moving walkways at this airport as like a treadmill for exercise, and it's it's really fantastic. It's on her Twitter channel. Um, so Freiburg's really talented, great driver, great personality, great at commentary. She even joined the radio booth for like the last bit of the race. Um, that is, I have a lot more to cover in Petit Lama apart from the women in motorsports section. That is the stuff that I wanted to get to first because I was very lucky that I had a chance to see history. And I'm very glad for Christina Nielsen. I can't wait to see what she can do in 2017. That's amazing. That sounds like it was a really good time. Oh, man, it was so much fun. I have so many stories to tell. <laughs> All right. We will get to that after we do a little bit of recapping of F1. Um, aside from that, women in motorsport, we had GP3 this weekend. And our girl, Tatiana Calderon, did not do super well this weekend. But, you know, she, she got... She went from 22nd to 15th in the sprint race. She retired in the feature race. Eh, it is what it is. She'll, she'll get back in it next time. It was a weekend. It was a weekend. Now, is there only... Now, is there one round of GP3 left or two? I know GP2 only has one left. GP2 has just got uh, Abu Dhabi in, like, 56 yep, days. Yep, it's uh, one more round left for GP3 as well. Um, Charles Leclerc leads by 29 points. He is probably going to bag the title with a race in hand. Um, let's see. That still gives Calderon a good chance to get up there in the points. I mean, she's not that far off. She's certainly on the board, and there are several drivers that are that have even run the full season have not even put up a point. Yep, that's true. So we'll see. We'll, we'll be back at it in Abu Dhabi. Regardless, she is going to finish this season as the highest ever female points getter in GP3, in GP3 history. So tick. Hopefully we see her back for a second season where she can like really. Now that she's familiar with the yeah. car, familiar with how it handles all that stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's going to be the same with Sophia Flores, who wrapped up her season in ADAC Formula 4, uh, was 18th out of 46, had a top five finish in the opening round at Oshersleben. and I think she'll do really well in her second year in the category. She's still only, this is, she still doesn't turn 16 until this December, has a lot of ceiling left to reach, I feel. The ADAC, the, the, the Formula 4 there is the one, one of them, I like, I, I remember one point going through all the different Formula 4 categories to see uh, which teams, or which, uh, not teams, uh, uh, which group, uh, championships, that's the word I'm looking for, I was like, which one, um, had female drivers, and I think I was that one where I noticed there was a couple of female drivers who were in there, who were significantly older than the other competitors they were 1920 or something like that and i noticed that in a couple of those formula four ones that kind of stood out as a bit different to me in that but she did so well at as you said you know she's not yet right. and also saskia you will appreciate that um joey mawson from australia won the adac formula four championship beating michael schumacher's son and celebrating in the final round by doing a shoey 
Good and lord. People, people talk I can't, I can't with these shoeies. I did one in college and it was the worst, like, experience of my life. Why would you do this? Well, that's because you were not Australian. It is not like... Oh, you know what? No. I hope... <laughs> I hope some driver gets, like, foot and mouth disease from doing a shoeie and it teaches all of them a lesson. Because that's fucking gross. Oh, yeah, my country is not that bright. That would not stop them. They'd be like, well, that was just a rare occasion. That won't happen to me. That's basically Australia's motto and everything. Ah. Australia has, like, this weird invincibility complex. And I feel like it's going to kick you in the ass. Oh, no, 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 no. It's literally kicked our country in the ass all the time. And we still haven't learned the lesson. That sounds like a good time. Anyway. But... If we are going to recap things, Sarah Connors, we need to talk about Malaysia and how, like, they should just not race in Europe because I do not want oh to have to God, get up seriously. in Korea, uh, not Europe, in Asia. I do not have to Let get up in Let me tell you, in the morning. I'm really glad that this only happens, like, two or three times a year because uh, all of Sunday and all of today, I have just been, like, a goddamn disaster. Like, I can't function. I struggle to get up for an 8 a.m. race. You want me to stay awake for a race that starts at 3 a.m. and finishes at, like, 4.30? Let me tell you uh, my secrets. No. Does it involve a lot of energy drinks? Um, actually, it just involves a lot of bad decisions. about A lot of bad life choices and a lot It's like, can you stay out and get home at, That's like, what I 2, did. 2.30? Because then you only have to, you only have to be awake for, like, half an hour before the race starts. No. We got home at 2.15 and still went to Oh my to god, no. I literally got home at like 2.40. I left my friend's place in, in Everett, which is two towns away from here, at 2.25. And they got me home. They, my Uber got me home by like quarter of. And I was like, cool, I'll sit in bed. I'll drink water. I'll hydrate. I'll recover from this night of shenanigans that I've just had. And yeah, no, I made it to like... I actually literally made it to the lap before Lewis's engine died. <laughs> So when you woke up, you were super confused. I woke up for the podium and I couldn't see because like my con- I'd fallen asleep with my contacts in. So I was like, oh, okay, Red Bull, Red Bull. Is that Nico? A dude, in, a dude, in, a dude in white that doesn't look like Lewis. What? Where did Lewis yeah. go? Is he <laughs> Those okay? Those shoes are blue. Yeah. Those shoes are blue. They're green, but also yeah. That guy looks German. Uh, they're bluey green. I've had this. They are seafoam green. Fight me. Yeah, I was like, they're green. Someone's like, ah, I want those shoes. Like, if there was a way for me to be able to buy those shoes, I would have those shoes. They're so nice. Anyway, Malaysia, we're talking about a 3 a.m. race. I actually think, did they not move this race earlier? Did it not use to start later? I feel feel like like it it started earlier and then they moved it up because nobody in Europe wanted to get it like like 5 or 6 a.m. That's not what happened. What actually happened was it used to be closer to the beginning of the season. And it was during daylight savings time is a thing. So I think it used to start at two in the morning when it was in like April or whatever. Uh, But now since we're still in daylight savings time, it starts at three in the morning, which is not great for us. For Europe, it's fine. It's like 8 a.m. versus 9 a.m. That's not that big of a deal. Um... It's also, it's it's a quite weird one in how they schedule the race and qualifying. Because qualifying started at 5 a.m. our time. And, and this is one of the few ones where on the Saturday, 
both the GP3 and the GP2 race are before it. Whereas typically they have qualifying and then the GP2 and 3 races. So I was like, what? It's midnight and you want me to... Uh, I'm not watching GP2. I just found out the NBC account that I hijacked from someone has like full live replay, so I don't have to watch or download anything. Excellent. Excellent. Dead. But yeah, so the timing sucked. Timing was terrible. Um, beginning of the race was eventful. Uh, well, first of all, before the race started, um, it was really nice to hear Townsend Bell doing all the commentary in the pit lane, all that stuff. It was like a little, little touch of IndyCar. Beautiful. I didn't realize how non-American the NBC broadcast crew is because they just sound like they sound like people I've heard all my life. They have Australian accents or English accents or things like that. So I don't notice it. And it wasn't until Townsend Bell started talking with his thick accent. I was like, oh, oh, this is different. It really threw me for a moment. And Townsend's there. really good at like this whole... Um, he's pretty good as a pit reporter. I'd say he's better as like a color commentator, like he was in IndyCar series. But he he did a pretty good job. Obviously, he's here because of kind of crummy circumstances with Will Butson's father passing away and him being on believably. But he did a good job. James Allen did a good job last week at Singapore. Hey, just letting you know, UK, we just uh, took your former lead commentator for F1 and just stuck him as a pit reporter. That's how deep we are, USA. USA <laughs> America, America, USA. America. Wait, USA, USA. <laughs> We could we could probably we could probably put David Cross behind the camera as like a coffee gopher or something. But for those who obviously aren't watching this video, this 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 uh, podcast recording because it is a podcast, Connors has acquired the American flag. Acquired, dude, it lives on my desk. Come on, I just built myself a okay. podcast. Desk. Sarah Connors has. <clears throat> anyway. So yeah, um, our, our commentary team was great. Townsend Bell was amazing in the paddock. Uh, it was great to hear him ask great questions and I don't know. Sometimes I feel like the British pit lane people just kind of suck, which whatever, it's fine. Just me. Just me. I have to admit, I've gone from being a total like must download Sky Sports. Sky Sports is the one I'll listen to, yada, yada, yada. To now just being like, it's NBC. I will listen to the NBC broadcast. I will not watch the other ones. I'm all about the NBC broadcast. Like, it's like, wow, that turned around quickly. I think I got sick of hearing about Lewis Hamilton. Imagine that. Imagine that. We used to um, stream the Sky Sports feed while we had NBC on during commercials. And it just was, it was obnoxious. It was so obnoxious. Um, but anyway, yeah, so the race started. <laughs> The race started, apparently, because NBC wasn't quite sure what was happening with the lights on their broadcast. <laughs> yeah, it's like the light sequence started up like 10 seconds later than it honestly Yeah, it wasn't just have. NBC. It was definitely like a weird delay that shouldn't really have happened. Probably. Yeah. But the funny thing with NBC is like halfway through NBC, it's like, well, maybe we just had a bad angle. Like it was a bit like, ah, oh, we're not entirely sure what's... Because they were like, oh no, this is an aborted start. Oh, it's an aborted start. And they're like, oh no, shit, wait, it's the race. Speaking okay, of aborted starts, Battle tried to win the race in the first corner. And, uh, well, ooh, ooh, ooh. Yeah, it did not succeed very much at all. Um, 
I love disappointed Seb Vettel radios. He's like, guys, guys, I hit someone and it's over. Honestly. And they're like, yeah, we, we are know. well aware. <laughs> what the fuck are we, we doing here? We, we can see you're missing a wheel. So, of course, you know, Vettel tries to lead, t- tries to win the race at the first corner. Uh, who is the unfortunate, who is the unfortunate victim of this circumstance? Nico Rosberg, you know, because dude can't catch a break. Uh, Lewis Hamilton goes zooming off into the distance, uh, and Nico ends up in 21st, 22nd place, somewhere uh, down there. He starts last, yeah, and then by the end of the second lap, he's like 17th, so now he's in full-on chase mode. Yeah, uh, yeah, so he was in 21st because Vettel was out. Um, Speaking of chase mode, <laughs> I was about to say, Fernando Alonso managed to go from 22nd to 12th in the opening lap. That is a that is a doggone good start. That is not bad. Also having a good start, Esteban Ocon, until you, you, my boy got nicked for speeding in the pit yeah, lane. Yeah, how? I mean, I understand that you're new, bro, but like, come on, man. I'd love to see a, a, a like a correlation or a stat about like how many the average years of driving an F1 for people. Like, I'd love to see if it's drivers more commonly get pinged for speeding in the fit lane at the start of their career, and then it kind of weans off as they kind of get their shit together. Dude, Sebastian Vettel got one in, like, the first minute of his F1 uh, third driving career. Like, it was his very first time as, like, a uh, as like a third driver back when they still had those at F1 races, and he pulls out of the car for the first time and immediately gets fined for speeding in the pit lane. Um, no, this was like at the... This was BMW Sauber days, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. Well, that's when he... His first ever race was for the BMW Sauber at Indianapolis. Yeah. yeah, but this was like... This was like a year before then, back when they could still have like test drivers do like practice and stuff. So that was kind of the role. And then the USGP 07 was a bit later on. And then Indianapolis loses the USGP. I still think that if F1 wants to bring back more races to the States, actually, let's let, we're going to take this and we're going to set it aside for later because this is something I definitely want to discuss, but we need to finish talking about this race. Um, yes, so Nico's, so Nico's in chase mode. Sebastian Vettel immediately takes responsibility for, for hitting him, which is nice. It's nice to see someone do that Max Verstappen. People who didn't take responsibility for anything. The bandit. Max Verstappen. Here's the thing, here's the thing, or not the problem or, or whatever I have with Max Verstappen. I think someone needs to point out to Max Verstappen that whilst he may be annoyed at people and while he may be in the right with people, there might be more tactful ways of voicing his frustration than resorting to name calling on international television. Because I don't know about you, but maybe being like 19 and calling the four-time world champion an idiot, it's not the best way to go about it. You can say the same thing, you can be frustrated in the same the same way, but you can do it without the whole world being like, ooh. Uh, well, the whole world uh, apart from... Well, yes, but look, we can't expect them to be unbiased in these situations. Plus they're Dutch, they're pretty unreasonable. <laughs> wow oh, i speak from experience okay dutch sports fans are they go hard they go real hard for their people 
And I say that as someone who goes hard for my people. Yeah, I was, I was no, like, oh, this wow. is, this is, you know, I'm, I'm, like respects like, honest, man. I'm going to build you a little glass house. No, no, no. I'm not, I'm not saying that collection. in a way that isn't anything that I don't do, except, you know, I don't know. Also, I've, also I've, like the Netherlands has never had an F1 driver that's been actually capable of winning races or a race at all. It's like the best they ever had was like Jas Verstappen and the pipe dream that if Robin Frins didn't uh, turn down a deal at Red Bull, that maybe he would have been here first and not Matt's. <laughs> I love all those countries that are like, this is our guy. He's the first guy. We've I had mean, listen. The one we've had forever. Like, here's, let, let's get our flag. And, like, Guido Vandergaard could have been someone, okay? Guido Vandergaard hey. could have been someone. World champion F1 Twitter. I know, he's very good. Um, <laughs> no one throws shade like Guido Vandegar. Not wrong. Um, so, yeah, that happened. That all happened. Nico was not done getting involved in kind of tussles out there on the track because later on the races, Nico Rosberg has what seemingly consolidated a podium place. He's caught up in a battle with Kimi Raikkonen and then... Old Rosberg just throws a throws an old fashioned hip check. Not, I'm not mad about it, honestly. I'm not mad about it. Mm-mm. Um, yeah, that was that was pretty good. That was good racing. That was I don't. Yeah, that was that was excellent. That's about all I can say about it because I only vaguely saw it. <laughs> it did give Rosberg a 10 second penalty during the race, which he was easily able to cover. Because Mercedes are OP and Ferraris, uh, well, they're they are they are the the world's most overpaid, overachieved, underachievers. Um, I'm really sad to see that again. Haas had a double DNF. That I I I like. I don't know who I feel worse for, Romain Grosjean or Esteban Gutierrez, because like. At least Rogo's got some points this season. And the thing is, Gutierrez like, has come is close. Like... He's come so close to doing well so many times, and, like, something always happens. And, yeah, and most of the time it's not his fault. And at the moment, if I missed a bad Gutierrez, I'm just like, please keep paying money. Please. Yeah, it's just like Gutierrez's wheel just exploded off the car. It wasn't like a tire blowout, and it wasn't like the wheel just fell off the car. It just, like shot out of it like a round out of a BB gun. It's just like, <laughs> you could just imagine hearing that noise and being as Van as and knowing what it is and just being like, okay. Why me? Why me again? Okay, I'll just, I'll just park it here. Haas, okay. uh, Haas, I mean, no, they're okay. still got a good season to be proud of so far. I mean, heck, having this many points already in the season, being eighth in the championship, a solid eighth. Um, that's not bad at all for a first-year team. No, absolutely not. They're not dead last. They're ahead of a couple teams that, you know, could have done better this year. (laughs) Renault. I I think I saw something today or yesterday that was saying this is... I can't remember if it was 19 races since Selba had... The 19th race in a row where Selba hadn't got points or the 19th race in a row when they didn't get both cars finishing. And I was just like... I was like, I was like, wow. Uh, like, I love you, Manisha Cartonborn. Like, I'm all for you and your, like, woman leading the way out of the team. But, God, that team is bad. 
And it just makes me think of Ikea every time I it see it. It does. And I went to Ikea yesterday and I was just like, oh, look, it's the Saber building. Oh, wait, no. I'm at Ikea. No, it's... You're, Ikea is Swedish and Sauber are Banco de Brazil. Yeah, I know. But also... No, no, I... I <laughs> you know what I mean. I don't know. I'm... I'm nothing. It's fine. Um... Oh, but you know what wasn't fine... Oh boy. Um, so we're about 40 laps into this race and we're thinking, oh man, we've just woken up um, at goodness knows what time in the morning. See, I didn't do that. I just watched the race on the DVR because I was, I was already out smart. of town. You're smart. Yes. So 40 laps in, you're thinking, oh man, Lewis has got this I, in the I bag. stayed up and to <laughs> see Lewis. Just, just please. Can we fast forward the last 16 laps? Like this is garbage. Like, you know, you know that moment when you watch a race start and you see, like, Lewis Hamilton disappear, like, into the, like, first corner and he's gone and you're just like... Shit! Stop doing your uh, job! Stop doing your job better than everybody else, damn it! Yeah, you're like, I... Do I have to rush the next 56 laps of this? But you do. Because some days, some days... The big man upstairs, or whatever you believe is upstairs, which gets which which we will talk about later, as far as what Lewis Hamilton believes, he gives you a gift, and in this case, it came with a puff of smoke, and like then there was fire, and then flame, and then Lewis Hamilton. His race was lit. And he was done. Okay, look now we have to sound like less bad sports because. You know what? Lewis Hamilton had a great race, and he probably should have won this race. And yada yada yada. And we don't want to. We're not. But down you know sports. what? It's just that it's boring watching him win all the time, and sometimes he's a bit of a twat. <laughs> hey, listen, I have never said that. I have said that I. You know what? Whatever. Um, he should have won this race, but you know what? Reliability is important. But, but Sarah Connors, his car is very reliable. Right. It's the most reliable car of any yeah, champion. Basic, basically, this was like from an F1 Fanatic article that says, like, even if Hamilton um, breaks down in the last five races, uh, the Mercedes W07, I believe, is this year's car. That will still be the most reliable car that's ever won a world championship. Lewis Hamilton has... But conspiracy uh, believe... theories, y'all. Well, here's the thing. I, some, so F1 Fanatic did the stats and said that Lewis Hamilton's a, a, a mechanical failure has prevented Lewis Hamilton from finishing a race in 7% of all of his races. That is the lowest number of any world champion for their career. Now, say what you want about like stats and picking and choosing and things like that. Like, uh, his cars, A, are pretty reliable, and B, he needs to like chill with the conspiracy theory encouraging. Look, I kind of think it's a little bit brilliant because if I'm Lewis Hamilton's personal media guy, like person, like this is a brilliant strategy. Yeah, if your goal is to like make yourself seem best and detract from Nico Rosberg, this is exactly how you do it. Is that a good like ethical thing that you should be doing as part of a team? No, but if that's what you wanted to achieve, this is exactly how I would tell you to do yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. Um. He, I mean, he and his PR person and whoever is on his team clearly know what his fan base is like. Uh, Get your tinfoil on AmazonPrime.com. Yep. <laughs> they could make so much money selling tinfoil. 
It's so annoying. But I mean, for, for as much as Mercedes has emphasized the whole team aspect of it, especially through Lewis being the only one to win championships so far, uh, that's not a really, that's not a really team player-y thing to do there, guys. Fam. Etc. <laughs> I It makes me laugh because it's like, it just makes me think of the whole Red Bull era with He Who Shall Not Be Named and Seb Vettel when they're like, we're a team! We work as a team! You're like, uh, it doesn't really And yet multi-21. Like and yet multi-21. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, loved, I love every time they come back to Malaysia because at some point someone manages to figure out a way to bring that back Oh, up. yes. They brought up multi-21 in the critical moment of the race where Ricardo and Verstappen were battling it out for what was second place at the time. And it turned out to be important because when Hamilton's car blew up, um, not only did that put them first and second, but it also brought in a virtual safety car so they could stack the two Red Bulls in the pits. And by way of Ricardo winning that little battle on the track at the time, he was able to come in the pits first, get service. And Verstappen had to wait just a couple crucial seconds to keep him ultimately in second place behind your winner for the fourth time in his career in the first since 2014, straight his own Daniel Ricardo. Sarah, Sarah will be uh, Sarah, do they play uh, American anthems after IndyCar races? No, they don't, they don't do they any anthems. Okay, so I have a love-hate relationship with the Australian anthem. I think it's a bit boring, whatever. And they, I'm watching this race, and I know Daniel Cardo wins, and they start playing the Australian anthem, and I have never loved a song more. That I love it when they start. I was like, yes, I got my fucking flag out. I I was so stoked. And then and then he got his shoe off and it went downhill. <laughs> Listen, shoeies are gross and I stand behind that. I stand behind it 100%. It's disgusting. I love the fact, though, that he managed to get, yeah, Max messed up an air Nico Rosberg. Christian Horner was like fully, okay, yep. Yeah, like he turns to Christian Horner and Christian Horner is like, yeah, cool, bro, let's do it. You're like, of that podium, Christian Horner was the last one of them that I was going to pick as being gung-ho for. So, yeah, mate, let's do yeah. I was like, well, you know what? Here, cheers to you, Christian Horner. At least you got a sense of humor. Seriously. Um, related I mean, this to that... was the dude that he did pose naked uh, in his Formula oh 3000 days. Oh, my God, I days. love that photo. It's so... That photo was... You're like, wow, there's a lot of... Uh, there's a... Formula One drivers definitely don't look like that nowadays. No. Um, related to this whole shoey thing, did you hear about the nine Australian fans that got arrested for stripping down to their <laughs> Australia-themed underwear and doing a shoey? No, no, it was the Malaysian flag. It was the Malaysian flag, underwear. yeah, okay, so the Malaysians weren't but real pleased about that. No, here's the Malaysians, the Malaysians were like, that's unacceptable. And I was like, I'm pretty sure they didn't buy the Malaysian flag underwear, in Australia. No, they probably bought it on the internet, I like suspect. we all do with these sorts of things. Oh, no, no, no. I love how you're like, oh, you can buy it on the internet. I was like, do you realize how hard it is to buy shit on the internet in Australia? Because nothing is down Dude, there. Dude, you have Amazon. Like, yeah, but it costs so much money to send it down there. They they were able to go to Malaysia for a race. I'm pretty sure they're not hurting for cash. Yeah. Uh, anyway. Not that far. Uh, yeah, that's pretty good. But they're in jail for four days. Your apparently. people representing real well. So they're probably still in jail right now as we speak. Oh, totally. I think they're in jail till like Wednesday, maybe? 
So I just imagine ringing your boss and uh, or having someone else ring your boss because you can't because you're in jail. I'm um, in a Malaysian prison James for four is, days. James is uh, James is gonna be a bit late. He missed his flight because he's stuck in prison in Malaysia. He'll be back on Thursday. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he'll be back. Um. So Look, yeah. Though, that being honest, of all the jails, you've got to probably get stuck in. I could think of worse countries to get stuck in jail than Malaysia. How do you know this, RJ? Do you know this personally? For personally? Oh, um, no. I've just I've just heard stories. I would never want to be caught in a Venezuelan jail because I ran out of money before the start of a season. I feel I feel like this is all too relatable. I was like I was like ah. Uh... So who who was this? So y'all, so y'all, Jolian Palmer got a point out of this. I was just gonna say it's, Jolian is... Palmer got stuck in prison. What? No, just kidding. Jolian Palmer got a point. Yep, that was. Good. Jolian Palmer would not survive in prison. Question: Of all of the Formula One drivers currently on the grid, who do you think would survive the best in prison? Daniel Ricciardo. Yeah. I feel like you would you wouldn't want to be like horrible to him because he, he would make your day like entertaining. He's also kind of resourceful, probably, because he's Australian, yep, and I yep. assume you're all like that. Oh yeah. the The amount of ridiculous I fix everything in my life with cable ties and like a uh, bungee cord. It's amazing what I can fix with those two things. I don't know. Danny Kafiat right now is kind of living his life with nothing to lose at this point. So yeah. he's just. Danny he's Fiat wouldn't end up in jail, though. Like, Danny Fiat would have, like, his mob family buy his way out of jail. I mean, maybe. But if he was in jail. That big's. Oh, he'd be fucking killing it. He'd he would great. threaten everyone with he'd, his like, mob family. He'd, like, start his own little, like. He'd start, like, his own little mob family ring. Like, they'd make shivs out of, like, hair combs and stuff. I thought this through too that's much. That's fine. That's fine. Um, so that was the race. That was, That's about it. It was it was eventful, not super eventful, but decent. It was a decent F1 race. Yeah, it, I well, will the F1 it. races are picking back up again in terms of excitement. Look, we got so spoiled at the start of the season... Like the first, what, four or five races this year were so good. Because we come into the season being like, oh, you know, like IndyCar is so much better. And then the first three season, three races were like, oh my God, it's everything we love about F1 and it's back. And then it just went, wow. But yeah, very much, very much fun. All right, so let's go back to Road Atlanta and talk more about that because that sounds more exciting. It's, uh, it, it was a great time. Um, so there were a lot of things happening in this race. This was kind of an end of an era because they were retiring the somewhat ugly-looking Daytona prototypes, those big American tube-frame chassis that are built on, like, 70s technology, but somehow they're top-flight prototypes. Um, those cars didn't win the last race of their era. It was Michael Shank Racing in a Ligier nice, uh, Honda winning the season finale of the race, Olivier Pla basically put the team on his back the whole way. And it was also pretty special because John Pugh, who is their um, 60 year old gentleman driver, who's been with the team for about ever and is kind of the slowest guy and almost a liability at this point. But to his credit, he kind of kept the car on his road and he won his final race as a driver, possibly until he retires for good. That said, um, 
That said, Pepo Durrani, who is awesome, he drives the Caleb Patron car. He damn near won it at the end. Like, he was just mowing through him in the final hour of the race and still finished second. And then in third place, we had the Action Express Corvette Daytona prototype, which was piloted by one of five IndyCar drivers in the field, Simon Paginode. Oh, yes, we had... Yes, Simon Paginot, our crepe aficionado, our crepe aficionado, our scarf-loving IndyCar champion-elect. Um, and he had some battles with another IndyCar potential star of the future, another future champion, perhaps. That would be one Spencer Piggott of Ed Carpenter Racing, formerly of Ray Hall Letterman Lanigan Racing, who, as part of his Mazda Road to Indy scholarship, um, got a chance to run the endurance races for Mazda in their LMP2 car. Um, but I think it was just him in this case because I think Piggott had at least won like the top two tiers and Mazda were really impressed with him. So they were just like, we'll give you some more drive time. So in fact, Spencer was going to drive both of Mazda's prototypes in the race because they had two cars and they entered Spencer as a driver for both. And he actually got to see seat time in both of them until first the 55 car broke like halfway through the race. And then with like 15 minutes left and Spencer Pickett having driven like the most arduous endurance race of his young career in two different cars and ha with him having battled Simon Pagano for a podium place straight up, 15 minutes to go. If there is any other car that's not called the Delta Wing that you can count on to explode into a ball of fire at the most heart-wrenching time. It's the Mazda prototypes. They blew up with 15 minutes left. I do remember seeing that happen, it's, I it's think, not, at Watkins Glen. It's not quite the end of Le Mans, but that's still got to suck. Oh, yeah. I mean, but, I mean, it's like Mazda have had the speed. They just didn't have the reliability all year. Otherwise, they've come along great. Like, I remember when they used to just rip a diesel engine out of their road cars, stick it into a prototype chassis, and hope to God they could get through a whole race. Now they actually put an actual race car engine in it. And while it's still about as fragile as glass, I mean, hey, it's still quick enough for them. Right. Um, speaking of things that broke in this race, um, the asphalt came up at at the top of the hill. It turns one, two, three, which is like an uphill and then downhill section of S's um, the asphalt started coming up and that forced a one hour safety car period so in essence we got a halftime break and I got a nap to go get food and use the bathroom uh, while walking to the bathroom we saw a golf cart with truck nuts on it <laughs> uh, because this is a classy organization <laughs> that's amazing look if, if something has to have truck nuts on it I think the golf cart is that the is a good option honestly like that being said do you know you can get you can get like bike nuts and they glow no no but they 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 are they're a like someone has created them as a safety device for riding at night because they instead of the flashing lights on your bike it's a pair of glow like plastic nuts that hang from underneath your bike seat i saw it the other day i was like that is so wrong and amazing at the same time Oh man, I, I mean, wish I, I wish the works. people with truck nuts were this classy. They were as classy as like the the Trump supporters who were talking as I was going to get my oil changed the day I left for Atlanta, which was not very classy at all. Um, 
Listen, True. hopefully it will all go away in a month and a half and we can, we'll just have four more years of everything being okay. Not great, but okay. I'll, t- I'll take not- okay. Yeah, I mean, okay is a massive improvement on like... Yes, we are not a political (laughs) podcast, though, so we are not going to talk about this anymore because I'll just start crying. Okay, things such as Sebastian Bourdais finishing. uh, He did a pretty good race. He was in one of the the four GTs in the GT Le Mans class, which looks awesome at night because they have like these little LED lights running down the back of the car. And it kind of looks like they've got like these freaking afterburners that glow in the dark. Borde had a good race. Scott Ditson could not, did not because his Ford kind of broke early on and they were never really a factor. Uh, Ryan Hunter Ray was in a prototype sponsored by visitflorida.com. It had engine problems and was never really a factor. Um, what happened in some of the lower classes? So GT Lamar, Rizzi Competizione Ferrari had a terrible season, but their Ferrari won the race. Corvette racing won that class championship. That's your, that is so competitive you have essentially like five different manufacturers with five different cars, and they were all covered by like seven tenths of a second in qualifying, which is amazing. Um, and some of that is all down to like balance of performance and trickery. But man, it's such a it's such a good category. What's not a good category sometimes is prototype challenge. It is a pro am class with basically LMP two cars, older ones, and sometimes the driving standards. Whew, oh boy, they're they're not good. I saw a couple of them just spin and eat eat garbage at like the at like the S curves and Sasky. The way I can describe like where we were sitting at the track turns A and ten A and B. It's basically like somebody just put the chase from Bathurst and stuck it in the middle of Georgia somewhere. It follows like the exact same layout. Nice, um, nice. Speaking of Bathurst, that is this weekend. Yeah. Yes, that is going to happen. Go Simona de Silvestro. She and Renee Gracie are partnering up again in that in that Nikon Harvey Norman Nissan. Hopefully no one says horribly sexist things that gets kicked out again this year, like they did last year. Woo! But, they don't, but the best part of it was is he said that, and they were like, no, you're done, bye. There was no apologizing. There was nothing. They were like, ah, Spe- no. Speaking of kicked out and done... Um, we had some controversy in the D- GT Daytona class, the aforementioned one where Christina Nielsen won the championship before the halfway point in the race. There was still a race to be decided, and it looked like the Audi of Magnus Racing was going to win in the final laps. Yeah, and then uh, their results got taken off the board. Um, so what happened exactly? Well, Magnus Racing had two silver-rated drivers, or amateur drivers, basically by another name. They have, like, this driver rating system they adhere to. You have to have at least, like, one amateur driver. Um, And they had two of them, and they just figured, like, well, we can use this other silver driver who's a lot quicker than our one dude, um, and that'll cover us. And it turns out IMSA was having none of it because... Uh, that other driver that they were using was not a full-time member of the team. And per the rules, they had to use um, their regular two drivers. Um, The guy that they were supposed to use only drove 52 minutes of a 10-hour race. That wasn't going to cut it. So winning in its very last race, because we're not allowed to have nice things, are we, Fiat Chrysler Corporation? The Dodge Viper wins its very last race, and it wins the GT Daytona category. I was pretty pumped for that. 
I was pretty pumped with that. I love Dodge Vipers. I'm sad they're going away. But um, I I loved it, apart from, like, the sunburn that popped up a couple days later, apart from tension headaches from being out in the uh, sun. How do you get, like, delay-onset sunburn? Oh, uh, God. Sassy, I thought you I... don't go out in the sun much, do you? Yeah. Well, no, 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 I do, but I, there's no such thing as delay-onset sunburn for me. Like, it's I've looked at the sun... I am now sunburned. Um, no, it's more like a couple days later when suddenly everything hurts and starts peeling and is gross. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, look, I don't get to, like, the peeling sunburn thing because, like... You're smart. (laughs) I am Casper, and so I have spent my life industriously slathering myself in sunscreen. Because I got so sunburnt once, and I had to wear a costume, and it had tulle inside it, and it rubbed all of my skin to the point that I was like, I'm just bleeding, what's up? <laughs> yeah, I know. But hey, sunscreen is great. Sunscreen Ooh. is great. Wear sunscreen. There's a song yes. about that. Yeah, um, that that came in handy. Slip, slop, slap, slip on my shirts off on sunscreen. That is not the song I was talking that's about. Sh- nope. Really? Okay, so that's just an Australian thing. Okay. Uh, yeah, so that was, that's IMSA. Little IMSA update for y'all. That is the Road Atlanta Petit Le Mans. It is a good race to go to. I highly recommend going to an IMSA race. They have races of all lengths and sizes, and sometimes they'll split the fields up, so you get different categories being the feature. Um, And 2017 is looking really good with the introduction of Daytona Prototype International, which is basically just LMP2, only you can have direct manufacturer involvement with companies like Nissan and maybe Mercedes AMG and Cadillac wanting to get in it. Yeah. So that could be something very fun to look forward to next year. Very cool. I'm definitely going to look into that next year because they race at Lime Rock Park, which is close to me. So I've got some friends that go to that. They enjoy it. So. All right. Very quickly, we should move on to previewing Japan. Suzuka. Yes. Previewed. A track, a track, a track that should be in the in the crown jewels because Suzuka is fun. It's it's very it's a very fun racetrack. It's one of my favorites. Yes. Um, I don't always this... enjoy getting up at that hour of the day to watch the race again, but you know what? That's fine. Well, at least this one's at one. Yes. Like one is better than three. Um, the racetrack itself is amazing. It's somewhere I'd love to go someday. Um, the Japanese fans are crazy. They're delightful. Yeah. Um, yeah, they will. They they'll go hard, and Jensen Button and McLaren are basically like their hometown guys because there's no more Kamui Kobayashi or Kazuki Nakajima or anybody like that to represent them as a driver. So it's just like, oh, hey, we've got McLaren Honda, and like Jensen Button's an honorary citizen of the country by this point. <laughs> That's true. Uh, so yeah, I, I I think that um, we're at a point in the season now where you know Rosberg is ahead by 22 points. Hamilton kind of looks like he's on the back foot here a little bit. Um, the next few races are going to be super interesting in terms of kind of what happens in the championship. Um, aside from that, I don't know. Japan last year was fun. Japan two years ago was the, the opposite of fun. Um, yeah, so I'm sure we'll see a lot of, you know, stuff having to do with tributes to Bianchi this weekend and everything, which is never fun. It's a little painful. Um... But yeah, Japan, for the most part, is pretty great. 
I do love the Japanese uh, fans, and I, I'm actually looking forward to the uh, when we eventually get the Off the Grid Japan episode because they went to the robot restaurant with Stoffel Van Dorn this evening, and I look, I'm a big Stoffel Van Dorn fan just because he's he's like, already got a podium at Suzuka this year, and he could get well, a couple more. He does, more. but he's also just like a kind of funny, awkward dude, and the, his snap or his Instagram stories of him going to the robot restaurant today is just like. What is happening? There are there are lasers. What what I, I don't know what's going on. <laughs> I'm like, well, there's robots and they're dancing, so I think that's what it is. But I look forward to seeing that when they eventually get around to that as well. I think Red Bull could be in contention to win the Japanese Grand Prix as well, because this is another arrow heavy track that should on paper suit the Red Bulls, but they'll of course need help from everything in Mercedes camp going to shit, which is kind of the problem with this whole equation because like Man, if Red Bull Racing had a car that was, like, legitimately capable of challenging Mercedes for wins on a week-to-week basis without any fuck-ups straight up, um, man, that, that'll be a fun four-way battle in theory. Hopefully with the 2017 regulation changes, we will actually start getting more of that. That'll be great. Um, I guess we just have to pray for Mercedes brakes to fail, because that seems to usually be the issue, right? Like... Well, I would, yeah. Every every time you see, like, you say brakes failing, I have, like, horrible, like, if it just says, like, maybe just, like, your engine could catch just a little bit of fire on, like, a slow... Maybe you could reenact that whole Prasenna thing from 1989 or 1990. <laughs> yeah, I don't remember any of We've that. We've already done that on once this season, though, haven't we? Yeah, 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 but that doesn't mean it can't happen again. I'd be okay with it. We also have coming up this week, don't we have, where we have another season kicking it off in in another part of Asia. Yeah. We're in Hong Kong. Formula e. Dude, complete side, well, not really complete side note, but did you see that Greenlight is going to start making Formula E diecasts? Yeah, I'm pumped. Like, I did not want to go down this road, but like, I have two diecasts sitting on my desk right now and I'm I kind of want more. So... Yeah, I'll probably get the Andretti one and maybe a Dragon Racing one and maybe a Mahindra one and maybe maybe just all of them. I don't even know. Oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> all of them except the Jaguar. Yeah, fuck that. Bruh! <laughs> Not here for it. Not here for it. Nope. I'll get Bernie Man practicing like, the false point of empathy and it starts 311 minutes, dude. We're gonna butt chug some Jankum and shotgun some PBRs because this is the whole Corgi pre edition and you're with two oh brown land shorts. Okay, that is the worst New Zealand accent I have ever heard. It's so beautiful. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, I actually, like, I think I'm having trouble breathing right now. I really don't like Mitch Evans. And- <laughs> I know! And I live, to, I live to bring it up in situations that make you angry. Mark Webber's my I manager. Find- <laughs> I'm a quote real racer, unquote, unquote. I can't understand. I can't do the accent at all, but I can't understand why I'm not being handed a drive on a silver platter. Even though I've never really won anything significant in my life. Do I want to go with the salmon khaki shorts or the coral blue khaki shorts? Salmon's a classic. <laughs> oh, okay, actually, one, one thing. Speaking of shorts, oh, no. Sarah Connors, did you happen to see the amazing pair of shorts that some reason Nico Hulkenberg decided matched his team uniform for this? No, season? but I need to. So send this to me after the podcast, please. Very important. <laughs> 
I love, I live to judge driver fashion choices. Like, oh my God. Look, uh, to be honest, he is attractive enough that I will pretty much let Do you remember that, like, Jaguar sweatshirt he had? It just had, like, a Jaguar. Oh, the fillet, the fillet, oh yeah, the the Puma one that you bought? No, I did not buy that. I made, I made uh, words about possibly buying it, but I didn't actually do it. Well, look, I I know that he's big in with Philip Plan, and that is just hot garbage fire fashion. Except for the oh. LED sneakers. Those are delightful. I want a pair. I might get an American flag I pair. I can't, I kind of we'll like them, too. But yeah, anyway. Um, but, how did we get down this road? I don't know. We were like... Oh, we were like Ypres. The Hong Kong Ypres. <laughs> um... Jose Maria Lopez could be a really strong rookie contender, and so could Felix Rosenquist. I was just going to say. Now, are those the two guys running away with the fan boost at the moment? Which is ridiculous, because I've only voted for Felix Rosenquist like four times. I assume not that many people do fan boost, but... Well, now that they've cut, yes, Sarah, they've cut, you make up the thirty-nine. Yeah. they've cut down all the uh, they cut down all the bots. Yeah, which is good. Um, but yeah, it'd be great to see the rookies get a little fan boost action in their first race. Um, I'm so pumped to see how Rosenquist does. Like, I'm so glad Mahindra added him. Um, he was super fun to watch in Indy Lights. It could so. be another really awesome battle between Renault Edams and Audi Sport app racing. Blemming and Degrassi were really fun to watch last year. And I think if DS Virgin has a card that's now capable of competing regularly, um, they could make an interesting third um, leg in this race. I'm interested to see what MS Amlin and Dreddy does Me now too. that they've actually got a got a proper uh, motor in the car and BMW wants to get involved at some point down the road. Also, I really like the lineup of DeCosta and Friends. Party like it's 2012 all over again, baby. <laughs> yeah, you're not wrong. Um, yeah, it should be fun. I'm I'm very, very excited. I'm not excited about the time this race is going to be on it, but whatever. I'll get over it. It'll be fun. Um, it's after... perfect time for some beer pong, lads. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> all right, Mitch Evans. I've never played beer pong in my life. We, we really Hopefully he crashes like, out uh... on lap one so that he can go play beer pong with his bros. And we don't have to watch him anymore. Um, the next race after this weekend isn't until, I believe, January uh, in Marrakesh. So that's there's kind of a big uh, I gap. I think it's, le- it's yeah, February, I think, actually. Yeah, I think no- Marrakesh is in November, and then round three is in, like, January. Round three is in this- February. Round three is uh, the 16th of February, I believe. Um, because the only thing in January is Race of Champions. The and fuck is the Rolex this one break? I don't know. It's, it's annoying. Um, and I think it's partly because uh, they had a couple cities lined up to possibly host races, and things just fell through. So... Like Singapore was gonna. Yeah, Malaysia ta- usually has one too. Uh, or no, sorry, s- it's, it's um, is it Malaysia? I, yeah, I think Malaysia, Malaysia had one the last couple of years. I'm sad that Punta del Este in Uruguay is coming out. Me too. It was a, it was a pretty track, and I think it could have been a staple, but yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, those were the races that were usually kind of at that time of the year. Um, I think Alejandro Agag has talked about having more stability in the calendar next year which would be good um they can get a if they can get a race in switzerland on top of a race with new york i mean formula he's now just captured the two giantest shiniest golden unicorn markets ever yeah that f1 couldn't do yeah 
And in Switzerland's case, no other form of motorsport could do because, like, they only allow electric racing for some reason. <laughs> and even that was a bit of a push because they've basically banned motorsport since the 1955 Le Mans disaster. Ah, uh, yeah. Um, I am terrified by the amount of information that is inside your head, RJ. Well, this is what happens when you have no social life. <laughs> I was actually just reading about the 1955 Le Mans disaster the other day because um, I'm reading a book about the Indy 500. Um, and it's about like the early days of the 500. And it's, I believe, one of the manufacturers left IndyCar after the Le Mans disaster because they were just like, nope, we're not. We're not going to yeah, do this anymore. That's like the primary reason why Mercedes quit in the 50s, because it was one of their cars that wrecked at Le Mans. They just, they couldn't go anymore. Yeah. Yeah. So it's interesting. It sucks, but it's interesting. Um, so yeah, Formula E will be fun. I The Switzerland round was supposed to be in Zurich, right? Um, they've been looking at a, com- a couple of locations for it. It may still be a couple of years up the road, but if it happens, I think that's going to be like the crown jewel event. In yeah. all honesty. I mean, racing um, with the backdrop of the Alps, like, that's going to be amazing. Like, we think Austria is pretty as a track. Oh, man. Switzerland would just like, be gorgeous. Switzerland? Yeah. yeah. Oh, my God. You'd be like, uh, let's just bring twice as many photographers and a couple of paintings. Yeah, it'll be fine. Well, there are some dominoes falling in IndyCar silly oh season. Oh, my God. It's time. <laughs> yeah. So, okay, Sarah, okay, RJ, this is the part where we shut up and we just let Sarah tell us what she needs to tell us. Y'all, I'm so pumped. Starts to well, it's not just it's not just that. Like, also, it was officially announced that Joseph Newgarden is leaving Ed Carpenter Racing. But boy! I know! His contract officially ends uh, on the 5th of October, so Wednesday of this week. Um, at, well, at which if time... Twitter, if Twitter tells us anything... I was going to say, at which time, I'm pretty sure it's going to be announced that he's going to be the fourth driver for Penske next year. God, I'm so happy. I'm so happy about this. Like, I know I'm like, I've been like a huge Juan Pablo Montoya fan for 16 years of my life. And it, it does kind of suck that he's at the end of his rope with Penske. But Joseph Newgarden has been my, my guy for the future. And I'm so happy. If he, if he wins all the titles, I'm not even going to be mad that he's going to do it with Penske. He's so great. Yeah, it's going to be amazing. Um, But yeah, so that's probably going to get announced Wednesday. And then, you know, another thing got announced today that was... So so what happened today? Uh, Alex Rossi got announced at Andretti officially for next year. Yes! I'm so hyped. The hype train has left the station. Everything is is amazing. It is a three-year deal with Andretti Herta driving the 98 car that won the 100th running of the Indianapolis 500. Hold on. Uh, no, I don't have anything within reach that I can wave around in the air. Um, yeah, I'm so hyped. Do you know how, like, I, I've never had a favorite in any sport with, like, the sort of future that is, like, solidly there. You know what I mean? Like, he signed a three-year deal, and now I have someone to cheer for for three whole years? Like, there's no, there's no, like, wishy-washy, you know, could he move somewhere else in that time, though, or anything like that. Like, even in hockey, guys can get traded. Yeah, guys can get traded. Guys can get traded with contracts you didn't even know were cheap enough to get traded and bought out by another team. Thanks, Montreal. 
Oh, dude, RJ. Little little podcast aside right here. How hyped are you to watch? Are you a Predators fan? He lives oh. in Nashville. Are you a Predators fan? <laughs> oh, well, that makes sense. Oh, then. I'm so happy. How I hyped are you about P.K. Subban? Oh, it's 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 not going to hit me until like the season's about to start up. And then I realized, yo, we've got P.K. Subban and Roman Yossi potentially playing on the same pairing. And we're probably going to win the Central and then uh, somehow come up short in the conference semis. <laughs> it's... <laughs> the central and then lose to someone else in the stanley cup no knowing, knowing us it'll it'll probably be chicago or somebody Gross. garbage like that hopefully it's st louis so i can laugh a little bit and then not feel bad why must um, you do this to me there's nothing i enjoy more than watching chicago lose to me people, neither unfortunately it doesn't happen often enough for my liking Same. so we take a time machine back to 2005 <laughs> <laughs> Yes. Anyway. So, uh, has there, there hasn't really been any other IndyCar Silly Season stuff. No, we're uh, still kind of in the feeling process. A lot of things could change. Yep. Um, but nothing's confirmed yet. I'm very excited. There was an article came out today where Ed Carpenter got interviewed, and I think he said his he's narrowed down his candidates for the 21 seat to... Juan Pablo Montoya, uh, Jared Hildebrand, and Sage Karam. And I just, I would hope that Spencer Pickett is in the equation somehow. Because, uh, you like, know, honestly, I think they're going to keep him in the 20. He'll he'll run all the road courses and... Um, yeah, because his, his, his oval game needs a bit of work. Yeah. It even needs to work at Indy Lights. Well, I mean, they'll also put him in a car for the Indy 500, I assume. So... I would hope so. Yeah. I mean, they ran three cars last year, so... Yeah, I mean, if that's how it plays out, I'd love to see Hildebrand or Karam end up in that car. Um, I think Hildebrand needs another shot. Uh, I think he's he obviously did super well setting up the car this year for that team. I mean, he helped he helped Joseph get that win in Iowa. Yeah. So Jr. Jr. needs another full time shot. It's not really his fault. Panther Racing became a dumpster fire of an organization. Exactly. So, and I mean, I think I think. It seems like Ed Carpenter sees the value in what he's got there. So maybe, I mean, that'd be cool to see. He's still so young, too. I know. He's what, like 27? Yeah, he's he's not he's not even close to 30 yet. He was still so young when he was a corner away from winning the the centennial running of the Indianapolis 500. And then Charlie Kimball just took up the low lane and Hildebrand just just Charlie slid, Hildebrand just slid up in the I... fourth corner, Thomas Schechter style. And look, oh, who's that? Is that Weldon in the 98? Well, I'll be a son of a gun. <laughs> I've never heard that story before. Yeah. Um, so. Sorry, go ahead. Oh, yeah. It, that was like the that was like one of the craziest endings to an Indianapolis 500 I had seen up until this year. I was literally shaking in the middle of a taco mac attached to a basketball arena across the street from an anime convention. Because Hell that's yeah, the life motherfuckers. I <laughs> I love that Sarah, I sent you a picture during the week. I was like, I really like this painting. And you're like, yeah, it's Alex Rossi winning the Indy 5. I've seen it. No, no big deal. I know, but no. but <laughs> No, that painting is cool. I, I forget who the guy who did it was, but... Garrison, yeah, I had I had I saw that when he tweeted it and I actually went through and looked at all his other stuff. It's really nice. So, Sarah yes. Connors, we've been through 
Malaysia. We've talked about Japan coming. We have had RJ the expert on IMSA. Do we have any Ask TG? We do. say I sometimes I forget how many look I forget how many G's are in TGG. That's fair. That's fair. TG BG BG. We do. Um we have two of them. We have one that's actually really fun to think about that, you know, was kind of something that I was aware of this year, but it never really was really a big deal because Rossi was still in F1. Um, Joey of the Priuses, my, my good pal Joey, I love his name. Um, asks, opinions on the fact that the last three American F1 drivers, Michael Andretti, Alex Rossi, and Scott Speed, all work for the same team. Yep. Um, for those who don't keep track, Rossi is obviously driving for Andretti Autosport, run by Michael Andretti and IndyCar, and Scott Speed uh, races for Andretti Autosport's team in Red Bull Global Rallycross. Mm-hmm. Uh, I loved someone's tweet today about, it was like, ask Alex Rossi, you know, ask Alex Rossi questions, and it was like, how do you feel being like the heir, being the- Italian-American uh, heir to the Andretti throne. <laughs> the son like, that they oh. always wanted. Like, oh my <laughs> God. Marco, please. Like, <laughs> look, Marco, look, you're pretty and you've got good hats. That's about all you got going for you at the moment. Sadly, you're peeking out to be less like Michael and more like John or Jeff. And in fairness to Je- and in fairness to Jeff, he got hurt very early in his career, so he never really had a chance to pan out. Yeah, that sucks. Um, but yeah, so they actually asked Rossi. That he did a Facebook Live today that I obviously watched because it's me. Um, <laughs> I thought you had to go to a meeting. Oh, I did. I asked a question with the sound off, and then I watched it like half an hour later when I got out of my meeting. Listen. I'm all over this shit. Um, I can multiply so they asked him. They asked him if he would ever want to make a seat swap with Tanner Faust, who also races for Andretti, or Scott Speed. Uh, and he was like, yeah, I might actually go to the last global rally cross of the season, which is in LA this weekend, I guess. So it's neat. It's, it's cool that, you know, Scott Speed drove in Formula E. Rossi had expressed interest in Formula E back in the day. Um, they're good American yeah. dudes. Pretty sure they're... Is Speed from California, too? I think he is. Yeah, Speed's from yeah. California. Scott Speed still has the honest-to-God best name in most Yeah, sports. absolutely. Will, pa- Will like, Power a very close second. Just, oh, yeah. oh, yeah, yeah. Will Power and Scott Speed. Like, Scott Speed makes me think of, like, like Ricky Bobby. Like, <laughs> I was born to go fast. <laughs> I was born to go like, only as fast as my crappy Toro Rosso could carry me. Yeah. He tried. Scott Speed! He tried so hard. At the speed of mediocre middle of the pack endings. <laughs> Poor dude. Um, so yeah, that's that's about it for that that question. Um we have someone named Andrew, 42 ALJ on Twitter, who asks, What track no longer on the IndyCar schedule would you like to see return? Oh. Can I say Boston? Boston? Was Boston ever actually on the schedule? <laughs> It was. I want yeah, that back. It was on the schedule. I still want it. I would just like it as an excuse to come and visit you. Um, did you know that the official t-shirts for the season had Boston on them until Watkins Glen? And they sold them at Watkins Glen and they said Boston on them. I was so I sad. hope they just I hope they just like did a thing where they just 
uh, made yeah like did like some artwork where it looked like it was just crossed out and then someone drew like Watkins Glen Franken jersey yeah. them right. you know as much as I did love Watkins Glen I was still really sad that I could not walk to a race from my house um no tracks no longer on the IndyCar schedule that I would like to see return um Michigan International Speedway is definitely one of them. It could be a better attended uh, race at Auto Club Speedway in Fontana. It's basically the same layout, though Michigan does have its own unique idiosyncrasies and a longer (laughs) history of IndyCar competition. That's a good answer. I would like to see it go back to Milwaukee, honestly. Yeah, but Milwaukee's not looking so good. Uh, The last reports that I had read... Oh, it looks like like a shithole. It looks yeah. terrible. Like I, it looks... I think this is this is all based on like if they renovated it and like made it up to speed for a thing. I actually have an answer to this. Oh, one. is it Surfers Paradise? Yes. <laughs> wow. <laughs> In fairness, Surfers Paradise was awesome. Surfers Paradise was amazing because you could you didn't even have to buy a ticket. You could get like a hotel room overlooking the track. And the problem they had is they used to have drunk girls taking their tops off and they would have to try and cut them out of the cameras. <laughs> That's They'd be like, oh shit, can't go up there. Uh, look, I-, I was like, I can't contribute anything to this Wait, yes, I can. <laughs> yes. Because I, like, my dad went to it and I never got a chance to go to it. And my dad doesn't even like sport. Someone was like, oh, you want to come to this for the weekend? We've got, like, a suite so we can, like, drink and watch cars and he's like okay sweet cool I, I don't think he could even tell you who won or who was racing <laughs> in it but yes go back to Australia please they've been talking about please, it actually because now we've just got V8 supercars and it's not as good but they- now you just have supercars which may or may not be V8s <laughs> yeah true <laughs> it's like the super rugby in Australia went from being like rugby 8s to rugby 12s to super 14 and now they're just like we're gonna call it super rugby and that's it. it's like it's like it's just like the swedish uh hockey league used to be like elite syrian and a bunch of other things <laughs> it was elite yeah, syrian, it was yeah. like this and this and this and then now it's just like the swedish hockey league swedish hockey league <laughs> it's fine uh one more question and this is kind of a long one i i think in terms of answering oh. So I think each of us should give one short answer, and then I'm going to write an article about this one. Um, my friend Mila uh, asks, talk to me about travel tips for traveling slash attending races. I'm curious, and I'm sure others are too. One tip for doing shit on the cheap. Go. I've only ever been to a race in Toronto. Yeah, go to races where you live. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, or go to races where people you know yes. live, and then you can sleep on their couch. Yeah, that's definitely that's definitely a thing that I've found has helped a lot is uh, making friends with people, finding out where they live, like collaborating on on expenses. Um, and partic- particularly if you're driving, hey, I'll bring my own air mattress yeah, with yeah, me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, especially if like you can get to someone who is gonna who is willing to drive to a track from a big city center, and you can you know. Bring a tent. You bring the tent, they bring the car, everything works out, you share gas. Um, a lot of it is very, very dependent on collaboration. Um, like, I don't think I would ever do any of these races by myself. And I mean, you don't really want to anyway. You want to go with friends. Yeah. Um, so a lot of it is having to do with planning. Lists. I, look, I. this is my advice for anyone in any sense of traveling. Make a list. <laughs> 
and then take off half the shit on the list. Because I spent two and a half months backpacking on my own through Europe. And you do not need, like, half the shit you think you're going. If you're going to a race, take, and it's three days, you know, you need two pairs of shorts, two jeans, a couple of shirts, one jeans, two shorts, a couple of things, a jacket, done. Like, I look, I'm the person that can live out of a carry-on suitcase for a month, so I've kind of got this down to an art form. But you do not need as much as you think you, <laughs> you do. The only thing you need to pack more than you think you should have is underwear. Yeah, that's true. That's true. And worst comes to worst, if you run out, whoa, whoa, whoa. You find a hostel and do laundry. Like, not hard. But, yeah, find a laundromat, you know? Like, hostels are amazing. I cannot recommend hostels enough to anybody. You meet, like, some of the best people in the world at hostels. So if you can go to a track or somewhere and you can stay in a hostel, like, do it. Go to Hungary. Stay in a hostel. It's awesome. Yeah, what we've done is um, a lot of camping, a lot of Airbnbs. There's a lot of countries where Airbnb is just very cheap, very cool. Uh, my friend Catherine did Hungary, and she did, oh, I believe it was Germany, and she stayed in Airbnbs the whole way, and it was completely affordable. Um, I think she was just like a train ride away from all the tracks. So Hostels are also amazing if you have enough people in your group where you can get like a whole Yeah, room see, we did that in Canada. That's sweet. We had eight people in a ten-person room. I think we had one random person in the room with us, and I felt terrible for them because it was just like the eight of us being shenanigans and this one person. Uh, but it was good. Say and and reach out to your internet friends if you don't think people are going. Reach out and and try and meet up with them because that is like the best part of all of this. Like I came up to see you in Canada and we went to the track and we were like walking along and you're like, oh, hey guys from um Toronto who have a thing can't think what they're called they're like flat out full speed or something like that but you know like there's always people that you can meet and you should hang out with and yeah and like if you think you're too this or that we're all losers (laughs) it's a really good time it is a really good time we make a podcast where we talk to ourselves essentially about motorsports like everyone is awesome be awesome Mm -hmm. yeah that's basically it I've had, like, two red It's fine. Uh, one last thing. Um, on this, and this is not SGGG, this is us, we're basically done with this podcast, but RJ, did you, did I yell about this on Twitter? Um, Rossi said something in his live chat where he was like, I'm gonna be participating in a race this winter that people may not be expecting me to participate in. Yeah, so I think we kind of narrowed it down to, like, either- Race of Champions Miami, because there is already a Team USA, but as demonstrated in the last Race of Champions in London, you can have, like, two different home teams. So we're thinking maybe Race of Champions just lifts a gimmick from the already gimmicky World Cup of Hockey, establishes a Team North America, (laughs) and builds it around Alexander Rossi. Please, at God. So, So, to be a Team North America, who's the Canadian? Lance Stroll. (laughs) <laughs> I vote for Jay Minscliff, not Lance Stroll. I don't know, but Stroll does have a title this year, and it is a race of champions. And he is about to pay um, half of an Edmonton Oilers payroll to get a Williams seat. Oh my god, is that how much it is? It's like 30... 35. Lance Stroll, you are the worst Canadian. You could be bankrolling a hockey team. $35 million. $35 million British pounds of sweet, sweet Michael Kors money. 
No way. Is I'm, that what it is? Yeah, his what? his uncle owns like a bunch of different brands, and he's like part of the reason why Michael Kors blew up. Wow, I had no idea. Yeah. Um, Charles' dad, I believe, is involved in some kind of like digital uh, commerce thing. Okay. We're just gonna end up making up a bunch of myths about Lawrence Stroll, and some well, of them may be true. Lawrence Stroll was named which... after the Saint Lawrence River because Canada. <laughs> Um, Lawrence Stroll is a, Lawrence Stroll's dad, also named Lawrence Stroll, is a billionaire investor and collector of vintage Ferraris with a net worth of 2.4 billion. One time Lance Stroll wore flip-flops and army pants, so I wore flip-flops and army pants. <laughs> Lance, yes. when, uh, when, all Lance 3rd? Stroll has is his money and, you know, three major single-seater yeah. titles in three years, but, you know, money. Yeah, yeah. No, he'll be he'll be fine. Stroll, Stroll brought Pierre Cardin and Ralph Lauren clothing to Canada. Canada. He then invested in Tommy Hilfiger. It's practically its own and country. Apparel and Girard. He also owns the Circuit Montremblant in the Canadian mountains. Oh dang! I didn't realize that. Yeah, that's in Quebec. Yes. Well, Mr. Stroll owns that as well. Huh. And Stroll did race in a race that Rossi has raced before in what could be his other big race that he's going to, and that could be the Rolex 24 at Daytona International Speedway. And where did where did Alex, um, Sarah, you may know this, where did he race for a couple years for in the uh, in the Rolex 24? Oh, I think that was the Delta Wing, RJ. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that was the Delta Wing. And, oh, what's their fi- and where's their final race? Hmm, I think it's at the Rolex 24. At Daytona in January. Huh, that's weird. That's very strange. Mm, I certainly wouldn't dunk. expect you know that. I, Triangles. Do you know what I? I you know what I do love though. Um, Lance Stroll raced the uh, Lance Stroll raced the Winter Series down in like Florida yeah. the year that they let uh Will Buxton race. Oh it. no! <laughs> <laughs> so it was like it was like that year was Marcello Latifi, uh, Will Buxton, Tatiana Calderon, uh, Verstappen. Like there was a few of them down there, but I remember Ed Jones. Like, nearly everyone on this list has done, like, gone on to do great things. And then there's Will Buxton. And you're like, well, hey! He has also well, we still it. got you as our pit reporter, buddy. Yeah, he's all right. I like the guy. Too. But I just thought it was funny because you're like, one of these things is not like the other one. It's that English dude. <laughs> it's the guy who is not a paid racing driver. Yeah. Is- Have you read his article, though, about that series when he when they invited him to compete? No. It's actually super interesting. I think Ferrari basically called them up and were like, hey, do you want to come down and, you know, race this race in one of these races? And he's like, okay, yeah. And he had to get fit and he had to do all of this stuff. And it was quite, it was quite interesting because he was like, well, I thought I was a pretty good driver. And then Max Verstappen, who was maybe like... 14 at the time. Uh, what's it? Yeah, he would have been like 15 or 16. And he was just like, yeah... I'm not very good. <laughs> so, this weekend we will be in Japan. Next week we will be back. So, for another mm-hmm. slightly insane edition of The Grid Girls, I am Saskia Stewart. She is Sarah Connors. Our wonderful guest today is RJ O'Connell. RJ, please tell us where we can find you on the internet when you are not on here. Um, you can find me on the internet making bad tweets at at RJ O'Connell, it's all one word. Um, if you like Japanese motorsport, some of you may like it. Others may be interested in it because you played a Gran Turismo game at some point. I suggest following uh, my blog slash portal slash 
space Super GT World. It's at Super GT World on Twitter, Super GT World wordpress.com sorry i'm getting my blog spots and my wordpress mixed up but yeah (laughs) that's a place where i just cover a bunch of things like super gt super formula all that good stuff on my spare time i don't know i don't do a whole lot of stuff not at all not even a little bit no but if if super gt and super formula is what you want to know rj is your man so for the Malaysian edition of The Grid Girls. I'm Sarah. That's Saski. That's Sarah RJ. Is, you, we'll talk to you like, later. 